You're listening to the 9 a.m. Sunday School class led by Pastor Greg Voorhees at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church on Sunday, August 13, 2023. For more information about SVBC, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or find them on all things social at svbcfamily. Good morning. How are y'all doing? Have a good morning. We uh, let's go ahead and open in prayer, and then we'll pick up where we left off. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We, Lord, we just we just thank you for this time, Lord. We just ask as we continue to look at being made new, Lord, that we that you just show us some new insight or some 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 fresh thing to us that just make us fall in love with you even more, Father. And we just love you. We adore you, and we ask that you make us more like Christ every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So kind of the, the, the we left off at question one uh, last, last time. I can, I'll read it again, just in case there was somebody that, that didn't get an opportunity to share last week. Is uh, at, 10 after we, at 10 after we realized, oh, we're way over, and we just kind of cut it off. Uh, number one was, just like the leper in episode six, which we saw on the video, uh, some people have radical coming to Jesus moments. Others experience change in their lives over time. Regardless of how fast or slow, Jesus always transforms the lives of his followers. What changes has he made in your life? What new things are you hoping to still come? Is there anybody else that wanted to add things that he's done for you already and there are things that you're hoping for? This is kind of where we left off last week. Or are we just kind of done with the question? <laughs> you know, done with the question? Alrighty. So we'll continue reading. In the Old Testament context, I'm on page 97. It says the nation of Israel had a, had a stain problem over and over in the Old Testament. We send them cry out to God in a crisis, only to become unfaithful to Him again, once rescued. But God remained faithful to them, to the point of overhauling the system. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke. Though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Though they were, my, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Period. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. In every new circumstance, God gives Israel the opportunity to be faithful. But instead, they are, they are faithfully unfaithful because, as it turns out, mankind is incapable of staying the course. Sooner or later, we go out on our own way, our sinful, foolish, destructive way. We read about the Old Testament chosen people and marvel at their stupidity. How, how, how could people who experienced Red Sea-sized miracles continually dis- disobey the God who loved them? But in reality, uh, we're just like them because none of us are capable of being good, not on their own anyway, and certainly not for long. We sin, repent, return, repent, which means Israel was the living, breathing picture of humanity's desperate need for change. 
on that came, uh, uh, one that came from the inside out. And we look at the little picture of the sin cycle, we see God's plan, how we deviate, uh, we need to be rescued, we repent, uh, we receive forgiveness, we sin, and, and it just this is constant cycle. You, you know, we, I, th I think the writers make a very good point, and I've, I've often said that, you know, how, I don't know how in the world they could continually drop the ball after the stuff that they'd seen. You know, but that's, if I stop and really think about that, you know, is that mentality in myself? You know, have I, have I seen, have I seen God do Red Sea-sized miracles? You know, not literally splitting the, the waters, but I've seen him move some pretty big things in my way in the past. I've seen him make changes in me that... Like I said, I didn't necessarily plan for or ask for, but I saw that they were good things. You know, so I, I have witnessed, you know, this, this miracle-like thing going on, you know, over the last, you know, 35 years. But I still do it. You know, it's so, it's so easy. It's so easy. It's, it's kind of like the Monday, the Monday morning quarterback. You, you know, you watch the... You, you watch the, the, the reels from all the football games that were on Sunday, and you're like, how could he do that? You know that? Why did he throw that ball? Why did they do this? Well, I, I, think, I think we treat the Old Testament that way a lot of times. I think I do. You, you know, I look at the people of Israel. I'm like, how could they make, how could they do that after seeing? But this kind of hits that part of that cycle. I, I think, and to ask that question, this, this isn't one of our questions that it asks necessarily to be answered, but let's, let's entertain that for a second. You know, how could people who experienced Red Sea-sized miracles continually disobey the God who loved them? How, how could they do that? Any thoughts? Our memories are so short. Yes. We have very short memories, and we have plenty of selfishness. The... the Kind of the kind of the incident where I see that kind of fleshed out, even in I mean very recent history. And I know I've said this, but it's it, 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 it's kind of mind-boggling. Was 9/11, 9/11/01? You know, we were attacked by radical is you know Islam. You know, our towers fall down, our Pentagon crumbles. You know, we had another plane heading for the White House. And all of a sudden, when, when we weren't sure if our world was coming to an end, can you remember the way people were praying after 9-11-01? They were on TV. Uh, I mean, just huddled in masses, praying, and ch churches were filling, and you, you know, all this, 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 I'm not saying this is bad stuff, this is good stuff. But the point is, is by 9-11-03, by how many of those churches were still filling up? How many, you know, how many these mass groups of prayer and and and, and you know people tuning in to you know hear Billy Graham again because he prayed you know shortly after 9/11 you know with you know with the president and you know we do have very short memories. You know, 9/11/01 for me is a judge's book type moment for us. You know, we got ourselves into a spot and we really, really cried out to God 
and then when it seems like okay, you know, Al Qaeda's kind of, you know, we're starting to take their 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 leadership out, and they're digging in, and now all all they have is really these little camps here and there, and these little sleeper cells, you know, over here, but they're not really doing anything, and then we're not seeing anything exploding, and we're not seeing any planes, you know, crashing into anything. Did we start to neglect God then? I, I would I would argue that we did. You know, so we we as a, we as a country is, did the exact same thing that Israel as a nation you know did over and over and over. And I'm not so sure that the, I, I think we could probably that's probably been our history. You know, Benjamin Franklin and I've talked about this up here. I was reading one time where Benjamin Franklin was probably the least religious of our of our forefathers. I, I mean, he he. he he wasn't he he wasn't an atheist nothing like that but I mean he we, we had forefathers who were just like I mean on fire church folk he, you know Benjamin Franklin just really wasn't quite that guy but disconnected a little bit from the War of Independence even Benjamin Franklin says you know how quickly are we to forget our unseen friend he, he, you know so <laughs> you know so that seems to have been our history even from the beginning just like Israel. Do we do that in our lives? You know, I am guilty of this. When I am in a spot or something is in my face, it's real easy for me to cry out to God. It's real easy for me to, to you know, lean into Him for His help. But if I go three, four, five, six weeks and there's no conflict and there's no, you know, it seems like smooth sailing, the waters are calm. Do I call out to God just as much? I don't. I, I think that's almost like the that, that, that's almost like the, the typical cycle with folks. I'm not saying that everybody's like that. You, you know, there are some people that are very mature in their faith and and they and they stay the course no matter no matter what. And I'm not talking about you know. I haven't needed God in six weeks, so I'm going to go out and party. I'm not saying anything like that. But I'm talking about that, that prayer relationship, that lean-in relationship, that, that relationship where, you know, do we lean on God more when we need God? Do we lean on Him less when we don't need Him? I, I think the people of Israel were famous for it. Uh, and, and I mean, and I honestly... I don't say that in a judgmental way because, like I say, when I get up here and fairly evaluate myself, I do the same thing. It's, it's not me saying, bad Israel, <laughs> shame on you. But I think in our lives, sometimes I wonder if the storms come just, just so we'll come back. <laughs> you, you know, I, I, think, I think God uses storms. He allows storms to happen because they mature us. But what's one of the ways they mature us? We, we turn to Him. You know, when, when things are the ugliest is when we turn to Him. And in Israel, this was the case with Israel over and over and over. You know, so and, and, and there's still part of me that says that um, I don't get how you could walk on dry ground through the Red Sea and, 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 and you know, so quickly want to build a golden calf. I mean, to me, that is kind of a drastic, you know, flip-flop. But again, the, 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 this is another thing I've learned just in life in general, 
it's, it's really hard to judge anybody unless you've been in their situation. You, you know, and this might be, this could be a piece of it. It might not be. You know, they were in slavery in Egypt for a long time, you know, before the Red Sea moment. You know, could that have shaken their faith? Could that have kind of disconnected them in some way? You know, I, I, I don't know. You know, could, they have seen, could, could it have been their perception that the God was failing them so he, they were so quick to, to flip on him, you know, even after a Red Sea moment? There's no way to answer that unless we could go back in time and ask them that. But that can be, I think, a, a human way of looking at things. Because even though, even though that they have, they may have considered God not hearing them or not responding to them, He raised up a, a Moses out of out of a from a Hebrew woman right in Pharaoh's court. So you don't think God wasn't moving, you know, even when they didn't see Him moving? I, I, I mean, think about that. I, I mean, Moses, of course, you know, there's. Several of us are going to go see Moses this week. This is a Hebrew male that God raised in the court of Pharaoh to help free his people eventually. You don't think God had a plan? You don't think God wasn't moving in crazy ways? There was no way. And I've often wondered, how did he pull that off? You know, if I was if I was the Pharaoh at the time, it's like, now wait a minute, I didn't even know you were pregnant. Where'd this kid come from? <laughs> You know, so, so God, I mean, God, He moves on their behalf all the time. You, you know, there's, there's, you know, the way some of these these computer viruses and stuff work is, is, is a in the background of what you're doing. These viruses will be doing will, will be working in your computer in a negative way, not a good way. You know, even though you don't see it, it's still doing its thing. And it's, it's coming to, in the virus's example, to ultimately try to either steal your information or destroy your computer. On the, on the flip side of that, even in our lives, when we don't feel like God's doing something, he, he's, he's, he's moving and doing things in that background, even if you don't see it, even if you don't feel it. You, you, you know, it's... Let me tell you something about feelings. Feelings can be a very dangerous thing. Because when we respond to how we feel about things, it, it, it's not always a truthful response. Because our feelings can be very deceptive. You, you know, and that, that's, that's why it's so important to be led by the Word and not to be led by your heart. You know, I, I hear that a lot. You know, follow your heart. Follow your heart. The heart is a wickedly deceiving thing. That, that's the Bible. It's a wickedly deceiving thing. Your heart accounts for emotion. It accounts for your desires. It accounts for that little bit of self-centeredness. It accounts for any selfishness. It account, all that stuff plays into your heart and your direction. This does not. This is truth. The Word of God is truth. So sometimes if you don't feel like God's doing something, we have to lean in truth that we know God is doing something. 
even if our heart tries to lead us to think that God has, isn't listening and he's apathetic, this says that he's absolutely attentive to, to the point he knows every hair on my head and his thoughts of me outnumber the sands of the, of the earth. Even if I think that the world is spinning out of control, this tells me that God is absolutely in control. You know, this, I don't even know why I'm, this is not this lesson. You, you, you know, but, but it's, it's something that, I don't know, God's just really laying on me right now. It is so important. It is so important for us to mature in our faith. And it's so important for us to not just lean on him in these, these, these times where we need him. You know, there's a big difference between needing God and wanting God. You know, it's, it's, we all absolutely need God. I mean, he's, he's the very air that we're breathing. I mean, that's, that's a God thing. You know, the fact that they're, you know, our, our earth is rotating a certain way around the sun and we're not freezing or burning up, that's a God thing. We, we, we need him even for our physical existence. We absolutely need him for our spiritual existence. Until we came to know the Lord, we were spiritually dead. But, and I think too, Israel may have, do you think that they may have gotten caught in this trap? This, this is, these are hypothetical questions. These aren't ones we're going to answer. Do you think that Israel could have gotten caught in this trap at times where they, where they cried out to God because they needed him more so than they were crying out to him because they wanted him and was just trusting in him to deliver them? Anybody have any thoughts? What would you think about that? Do we do that? Here's, here's the thing with free will. Here's, here's the whole reason you have free will. You realize God didn't have to give that to us, right? God could have made us robots. You know, He could have had us, you know, bending and standing and, and worshiping at, at His command. It could have been easy. I, I mean, He could have just done that. God gave us free will because He wants us to want Him, He wants us to choose Him. And we can see this in our own relationships. Think about somebody you really, really, really love. Spouse, child, friend, whatever the case may be. Do you want that person to be in a relationship with you based solely on the fact that they need you or because they want to be with you? I think it's because you want them to want to be with you. So I think that, I think we can, we can, help try to break this cycle. Like I said, we're always going to we're always going to mess this up. This this sin cycle thing that's looking in the book. We're always going to mess that up. How can we slow that down or let let it happen less? Do we think maybe that if we if we ask the Holy Spirit to help us to want God more than need God? Do you think that that might help slow that cycle down and break that cycle down more? You know, for us to come to Him just because we want to want to be with Him, 
where we want to please him. You realize that's, you know, there's, there's two types of service. There's the type of service that's forced on you. There's the type of service you voluntarily do. Do you think that, that, that God wants us to serve him because we want to and because we love him and we want to do stuff for him because he does stuff for us? I, I, I think this, I think what helps get this cycle going comes back to that selfishness thing. Short memory and selfishness. Maybe, 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 maybe if we just, in the calm times, in the mountaintop times, maybe if we would lean on God just as heavily in those moments, that this cycle thing here might slow down a little bit and we might break it a, little, a few times. Wouldn't that be amazing? Because just like Israel, we do do it. We do do it. You, you know, we might, we might even want to try to sometimes, you know, get all self-righteous and beat our chest and say, hey, that's not me. Uh, that, that is us. We all do that. There's not a single one of us that, that, that whether it be, you know, some blatant, easy-to-see sin like, like lying, cheating, or stealing, or something that's hard to see like pride or ar- and arrogance, we, 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 or, or we, we, we do that. We, we do do that. Uh huh. Reading devotion this week, a little book called uh, Devotions for Dog Lovers. And anyhow, a story about the rescue dog this family had rescued uh-huh. her, and uh, how she just followed them everywhere. And they would go out to the lady's parents' farm, and the dog would get out of the car, and she said it just amazed her how he would. She would run around through the fields and around the barn and sniffing all the smells that were there. Mm-hmm. Spend five or ten minutes doing that, and they might be sitting on the porch, and she would come back up and lay down at their feet. Want to want to be with them? What you want to be with them? It made her think about this is what I need to be like. God, I want to be with him. I want to lay at his feet, worship him, and just not in the Good times and the bad times, but all of them. Mm-hmm. Think about a dog and its, and it's receptive, you know, for mm-hmm. smelling mm-hmm. things. Here it gave up what it liked to do. Wanted to be, I know I'm that same way. I'm like, you know, my own things like that. It made me think about reading it. I think we can learn a lot from our dogs. You, you know, the uh, I heard a joke one time, but it's very true. You, you want to know, you want to know who unconditionally loves you in your life. Put your wife and your dog in your trunk. Leave them there for six hours. Come back and see which one's still happy to see you. <laughs> you, know, that's, you know, so if you if you think about that, you, you know. It, it's yeah the dog and the dog sitting there probably thinking oh I know he's coming for me you know I don't know about her but I know he's coming for me <laughs> oh my that's awful but no that that's applying that to our lives though yeah it's a funny story but it, can we apply that to our lives if sometimes when we are in a spot a tough spot. 
you know, whether it's because, you know, somebody else's free will or our own stupid decisions or just because life is life and life can be tough sometimes. When we're in that bad situation, just like the wife and the dog was in the trunk, you know, how, how readily are we to come to God, you know, in a joyful manner saying, you know, I know you got this. You know, I think when you apply enough heat to us, most start to singe a little bit. You know, I think when you apply enough heat to us, that sometimes we wane in our feelings. And again, that's where it comes back to it's so important to not lean on feelings in your heart. Don't let your heart lead you. You're supposed to lead your heart. There's a huge difference. If, 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 you let, if you let your feelings, you know, when you're in that hot spot, you're in that tough spot, or you're in that trunk at the time, if you let your emotions lead you, it'll lead you down bad paths. It'll take you places you don't want to go. But if you lead your heart... What's the difference? Telling your heart that, that I know what you're telling me, but I'm choosing to accept truth. And I, I'm, I'm willing to accept that I know that even if this doesn't feel good, I know that I serve a good God who's, who's out for my best interest. That even though not everything is good for those who love Jesus, but those everything works to the good for those who love Jesus. There's a huge difference there. You, you know, not everything that happens to you in your life, even if you love Jesus, is a good thing. But even the bad things, God has a way of working them to, for His purposes and, and, and turning them to the good. Do we see that in the Old Testament? Let, let, let's let's go back a let's go back a little bit farther. How about Joseph? The story of Joseph just, 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 Joseph just blows me away. Joseph is, the, Joseph is an example of somebody who, who really did the, the right thing the right way. He, you know, you know he, 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 he gets beat up, nearly killed by his brothers, sold into slavery. He, you know, he's, he's, he's sent off to a foreign land. He, you know, the, 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 the person who... who, who whose slave he was, you know, really got to like him and then trusted him. And then the wife wanted Joseph and, you know, and then and when he turned her away, she makes up a story, he gets thrown in prison while he's in prison. You know, all of these things, I can't imagine in any of these circumstances that they would have felt like a good thing to Joseph. Is ever being sold into slavery a good thing, good to you? Is that good? But can God use it to the good? Well, He did. Not not only did not only did God take what was intended for evil, what was intended to destroy Joseph. He not only took that thing, He turned it not only to the good. He placed him into the number two spot in, in in that entire kingdom, and He put him in a place. Where, where he was able to save not only 
the nation that he lived in, but he was able to save his, his, the people of Israel. You, you know, so that's another thing. What if, what if Joseph had let his heart lead him instead of him lead his heart? Because I imagine his heart was telling him some pretty crazy things. Would have been me. If I was in prison, if, I mean, it was dungeons and prison and stuff. Like that. It, it wasn't pleasant places. You, you, you know, you know, even Paul and Silas, it wouldn't have been the, the, the dark, dreary places where, where Joseph would have likely have been. But he still chose to lead his heart and to accept truth that God has a plan and God has his best interest. And, he, and the story of Joseph, like, to me, is just mind-boggling. You know, that is an example of a man who in the worst circumstances still rose above because he, he knew, he, he knew, he understood the truth of God was bigger than the truth that his heart tells him. You know, so it's the Joseph type stories. It's the Joseph type stories that, that, that break cycles. You, you, you know, it, it's, and again, we're not always gonna, we're not always gonna get this thing right. We've been talking about this a lot in Romans, a lot in Romans. You, you know, it's, it, it's even though you have this new nature and, and you, you have the Spirit of God in you, the, the, you still wrangle with that flesh thing. And, and until you're with the Lord, you're going to continue to have to wrangle with this flesh thing. And as long as you do this little circle thing that we looked at, it's going to be part of your life. It just is. Now, the really cool thing is, and it's, it's, it's not one of these things where you're just spiraling, in a, spiraling downward in a, in a hopeless circle here. The one thing I've noticed is the more, as the more maturity you become in Christ and the more you are spending time with him and the more you're in his word and the more you pray and, you know, once, you're, once you, your, your time with him is now measured in decades and so years, this, this cycle isn't, it's not this quick spinny thing like it, like it was, <laughs> you, know, when you're, you know, when your faith is, is weaker. But this is still something we have to wrangle with. And I think it doesn't matter where we are in our level of maturity in Christ. We could all really benefit from a shot of just, of just of wanting to be with God and, and, and wanting to serve Him just because of who He is and, and, and lean in Him in, in, in a way that that's just would be a light to the world. Because that's 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 why we have Joseph's stories. We have Joseph's stories because somebody leaned on God in a way that was a light to the world. And thousands of years later, we're still talking about it. You, you know, why do we still talk about it? Because it's so contradictory to our nature, but it's such a beautiful story of a love relationship between a man and his God. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if, you know... I don't think we're going to be around for another 3,000 years, but wouldn't it be cool if 3,000 years from now somebody had, you know, actually remembered our names and thought, you know what, they really had a love for God. You know, I don't think we have that much time. I mean, there's every generation, every generation since Christ has left, I thought this was the generation that would see the return of Christ. But I'll tell you what, there's some, there's some hinky stuff going on right now. 
<laughs> I mean, it's just, I, I mean, it's, it, it seems like battle, battle lines are being drawn. So if there was ever a time to want to just be with God just because of who He is and to try to slow this cycle down, if, you know, I think now would be it. I think now would be it. He was betrayed by everyone pretty much yeah. in his life. <laughs> I mean, he really was. Who, who else? Who else in the Bible was betrayed by pretty much everyone? I think Jesus was. The, there was exceptions to every rule. I, I, can, I can assure you, we see... Every time we see Jesus, we see Mary in the, in the wings someplace, even up to the cross, at the ascension. You know, so you know he had people who were, you know, some, you know, rock solid staples in his life. But you look at it, even his closest friends, you know, the twelve. He, you know, one of them sold him for thirty pieces of silver, betrayed him. Uh, I mean, for, 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 and you think about thirty pieces of silver—that—that's, that, you know, shekels of these shekels of silver. I, I mean, it wasn't. I'm not sure what the equivalent is. It wasn't. I've seen it before and I've read it before, but it's not like it was a million dollars. <laughs> you know, it's not like he he betrayed Jesus for a million dollars and he was going to be, you know, thinking he'd be set for life. You, you know, it wasn't anything like that. But I had some of the some of the betrayals of Christ. I think for me, I think for me the one that had been the worst would probably have been Peter. He, you know, the uh, he knew all this was going to go down, but he knew from the, I mean, from the moment he called Judas. I mean, he 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 knew that he was he he was bringing along somebody who, who who's was going to be the catalyst for his ultimate destruction. But he still cared for him. He still loved for him, loved on him. He washed his feet just before he left to betray him. So that would have had to have hurt. But Peter, I mean, this is the guy who he he was. Kind of the basis for his church now on earth, you know. This was the rock that he was going to build all of this on, and for him to betray, to deny him three times, you know, that if there had ever been an ouchie in Jesus' life, I think that would have had to have been one of the big ones. That would have been one of the big ones. But just like the story of Joseph and Jesus, though, leaning on the Father. You know, regardless of who's falling away from you, regardless of who's betraying you, leaning on the Father always ends in the glory of the Father. When somebody stands up and, like Joseph, and says, 
I'm not going to let my heart tell me what I'm going to do. I'm going to let the truth that I know that my God loves me. And, 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 or in, in the case of Jesus, hey, I know, I, I know who I am. You know, I, I know what people try to tell me. I've even had the devil try to tempt me. You know, I've, I've had, you know, everybody doubt who I am, even, even my, my, my own hometown. I can't go back to my hometown of Nazareth because they wanted, they wanted to take me out. You know, all, all, all this stuff. But, but, but God used all of these circumstances to bring good in, in their lives. He turned all of them into good. And only God can turn something like the cross the most horrible thing I can imagine in my life. Only God could take something as horrible as the cross and use that to be the salvation of, of humanity. That is the ultimate example of taking the worst thing you can imagine and turning it into the greatest thing you can imagine. Uh, I mean, God has a way of all things do truly work for the good for those who love Jesus and are called according to his purpose. And, and guess what? If you are a believer, you are called according to his purpose. That's not like that's not like a that's not like a preacher thing, you, you know. Oh, if you're you're you know, you're called to ministry, you're called according to his purpose. If you are a believer, you are called to the purposes of Christ. You just absolutely are. You're part of the game plan. You're part of the great commission. You're you're, you're part of his kingdom. So if you are a believer, even though things that happen aren't good sometimes, he always works them out for the good. And he uses them in crazy ways. Hmm? When we were doing Bible study this last time, we were studying Esther. And one um, whole session was on God is the God of turning hmm? And you, know, you just gave that example of the cross, but you know, you're using the example of the whole thing with Haman trying to be, you know, pray and, and manipulate anything and how God is just turning Absolutely. And in an ugly way. The, the uh, I'm not sure. I don't know if you're familiar with Persian galleys, but the uh, when they talk about Haman being hanged, their their galleys weren't or their their gallows aren't like air gallows. Their gallows were they, they run a spear up through you and they put you in the ground and you you, you hang there like that, and then basically the birds come and pick everything off your bones. You know, so that's so that definitely was a turnaround that he was not expecting. He was expecting to wipe out the Jewish people, and what, what did he end up doing? Failing miserably. Because God's plan, what God wants, ultimately, ultimately will happen. You know, sometimes there, I think, our decisions and things we do and. Like I said, we let our own, own narcissism or our own arrogance or our own you know, pride, whatever the thing is, when we start getting in the way, we have a way of, of, of trying to, even by accident, interrupting God's plans. But ultimately, God's plan, it gets done. Why? Because he's God. There's no, there's, there, there is no gray areas there. God's will will be done. And that's it's really cool to see how that works. But back to, you know, just back to, the, you know, kind of the content here. I think that cycle, again, I think that cycle, when, when we cry out to him in the good times as much as the bad times, I, I think that will help slow that, that cycle down that, that, that they're talking about in here.
the, the it, it, it's kind of like sometimes I think we treat God like the police. He, you know, and, and some people love and appreciate police. And I'm not saying that, that I'm just using this example because I've seen this. But I've seen people who would hate on me because I am a cop, but they're the first ones to call 911. You, you know, when, somebody, when something's going on. Do we treat God like that? Do we treat God like he's, he, he's, he's the thing that we just kind of have to deal with until we need him? <laughs> and if, I, I, will, I will have to say, if that's your answer, I, I think you need, we need to start doing some serious evaluation of, of our hearts. <laughs> you know? But sometimes that, 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 that cycle, it might, it might feel like that or look like that. Let's go. Let's just go quickly through some of these. Let's look at some of these covenants. It says throughout the Old Testament, God revealed His plan of redemption through a series of covenants. Here's four of them right here. The Abrahamic, the Abrahamic covenants in Genesis 17, 1 through 21. But it, but God promised Abraham and his descendants that they would be a great nation, have a homeland, and be a blessing to the world. Has God fulfilled the Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant? He, he absolutely already has. You know, God, God does not have to do a single thing more to fulfill the, the Abrahamic covenant. They are a nation. He's, he's made their descendants outnumber the stars. The, 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 they, they now have a homeland. <laughs> I mean, Israel is a nation. Recognized by the whole world now, you know, and, and they, and how has, how has, God blessed the entire world through Abraham's family, the entire world. How has He done it? Through Christ. When, when Christ came, and Christ became the sacrificial Lamb of God, God blessed the entire world through this, this, this promise that he had with Abraham. The Mosaic Covenant and Moses. God promised Israelites that they would participate in the Abrahamic blessings if they, if they loved God and their neighbors, kept his law, and um, represented him, him to the world. Here's, here's a really cool thing to look at. Do you realize... If you look at some of these these covenants that God has made, they 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 have ifs to them. Where where if 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 the person that He made the covenant with did not uh, did not do hold up their end, that God didn't necessarily have to hold up His end. That wasn't true with Abraham. With Abraham, that's the whole thing. Remember, he he had Abraham prepare the sacrifices. But he made Abraham go into a deep sleep, and he himself, God himself, went through the sacrifices. Why was that? Because he knew that God knew that only he had the ability to to hold this covenant up. That that was a covenant that if if if, if he had to depend on Abraham holding his part of the bargain, that, that, that it wouldn't that it would be broken. You know, so that's that's the one that's one of the covenants we see where it was it, it was you know God making. You know the covenant himself with us. The one with Moses was a little different. 
if you read Exodus 19 through 24, this, it, it does, God promised the Israelites they would participate in the Abrahamic blessing if they loved God and their neighbors, kept his law, and, and represented him to the world. So let's, let's look at the wilderness experience. Were there people who loved God, kept the law, and represented him well, you, you know, still to the earth? We know Moses did. Joshua, Caleb, you know, there was there's was, there was some guys in there that just, just you know, really still towed the line. Other than Moses and because of his disobedience to God, those are the guys that saw the promised land. <laughs> what about Dathan? And all the people that, you know, Dathan miss, you know, kind of led astray in the rebel against God. You know, did God, in this, this, this covenant that he made with Moses, you know, were they promised safe passage? Did, did Dathan and, and, and his, his bunch, did they love God? Did they love their neighbors? Did they uphold the law? Oh, they absolutely did not. You know, think about Moses goes up on Sinai. He's gone for a while. And many in Israel rebel. I mean, built a built a golden calf, we're holding orgies, having all kinds of funny things, all these horrible things that were going on. You know, the ones, some of the ones that rebelled right off, what happened? I mean, what happened to some of them right off the bat? The earth opened up and swallowed up a bunch of them? Well, some, some people survived that. They're still in the wilderness, yet more. Is there a story about snakes? Story about snakes. Start wiping them all out. You know, were these folks, because God wasn't required to, to get all of these people to the promised land because the promise he made with Moses had a condition. <laughs> you, if, you, if you obey my laws, you love your neighbors, love me, all these things, that you're going to, you're going to enjoy the, the, the Abrahamic covenant, the Abrahamic promise. But there were many in Israel who did not. And that's why they ended up where they were. This rebellion against God and this rebellion against Moses that ended up in their deaths. And they didn't see, many of them didn't see the promised land. Almost the entire, I mean, we're talking about a whole generation of people passed, you know, before they made it. And the, the whole irony of that is if, if you look at where Egypt is and you look at where Canada is on the map today, I forgot, if, if they had taken a straight line, if, if I recall correctly, it's a very short period of time. It, was like, it would have taken them like two or three weeks to get there. I, I mean, they're like that close. But why 40 years? <laughs> you, you know, because think about this. He led them by fire by day, or smoke by day and, and fire by night. So he was leading them around. For decades, for decades, there's something that should have only taken them two or three weeks to get to. Do you think God was lost? Do you think that he didn't know what he was doing? No, but he made a promise to, to Moses. And, and the, many didn't hold up. The, they were into the bargain. It was, a conditional, it was a conditional covenant. We talked a lot about that in seminary, conditional covenants. And, and, and the, the one with Moses was one of them. The people who upheld God's, what God said you needed to do, they made it. The ones who did not, they didn't. 
I mean, so that's so we see that with the with the Mosaic covenant. How about the one with David? God promised David and the nation of Israel peace and security with a Davidic descendant ruling as king forever. Second Samuel seven one through twenty nine and twenty three five. Did God send a descendant of David? Did a descendant of David come and will rule forever? He absolutely did. It was Jesus. That, that, that's why. That, that's why some in, in the New Testament would call him the the son of David. You know why was it, why was that important? Because that, that that recognized him as even though he wasn't, you know, obviously the the physical son of David. In fact, his the, the seed was passed through the woman. Why would they call him the son of David? Because they were acknowledging the fact that he was from the line of David. He needed to be from the line of David to be the promised one, the ruler who would sit on, on David's throne forever. And he already fulfilled that one. So he's already fulfilled the Abrahamic one. Doesn't have to do a single thing more to fulfill that. Kind of the, the, the one he had with Moses, that, that's... You know, some may want to argue, well, that still kind of applies, you know, the, the people of Israel. But some, you know, you could also argue that that was kind of an expired one because, you know, that whole generation he spoke to were gone. I'm not, I'm not really taking a side either way. I'm just saying these are the two arguments. David, he promised that he was going to send somebody through the line of David who would rule forever. He absolutely has. He doesn't have to do anything else. He sent Jesus. Jesus absolutely will reign forever. This is fourth covenant. We talk about it in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, and Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. It's the new covenant. God promises people restored lives with his law internalized in their hearts with profound knowledge of him and with their sins forgiven. Do, do, do you think that the, has God held up that end? Has he, for every single one of you, I should say all of us, who, who's called out, called out to God and accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, do you, do you think you have a pretty decent knowledge of who Christ is and what he's about? I would argue that you absolutely do. He builds that in us and he gives it to us here. Oops. So he has given us this knowledge. He has given us a new life. He doesn't have to do anything else to fulfill this, this new covenant. He, he's, he has sent Christ. He's, he's, he's revealed himself to us. He's shown himself to us. He's given us new life, and he's written his law in our hearts. You know, so, so God's just looking at these four covenants, and we'll end at this. Just looking at these four covenants. God has a 100% rate of fulfilling his promises. He just always does. Covenants, and covenants are even, it's a step above a promise. And for God, a covenant and a promise might as well be the same thing because he keeps both. He, you know, but covenants especially, you know, these are, these are, these are above a promise. These, these are legal contracts that he has made with us. 
you know, where he, he's obligated because of a covenant to hold up his end of the bargain, which again is almost kind of funny because it's not like we need to hold anything over his head because he just always does it. He always, he's always gives new life to those who call on Christ. He always gives him the knowledge. Do, do you realize anything that we know about Christ, anything we know about the Father, it's because he's given that knowledge to us. This, what, what's contained here, what has been accepted in their heart, this is a foreign concept to the world. You know, for, for us to know him and to know what's in here, it is a gift from God. It, it just is. Because God is, God would be an unknowable God if he didn't choose to reveal himself. He could conceal himself from us, but he chose not to. He, he, not only did he choose not to conceal himself, he sent Jesus so we could be part of his family. You know, that's, that, that's, that's, a, that's a God who makes some pretty big promises and a God who always keeps them. That's a God that in our good times and our bad times, I think we need to be leaning on equally. And it's the same God that I think we need to strive just to love just a little bit more every single day. And, and, and pray to the Holy Spirit, help me break this sin cycle thing. You, you know, help me beat this flesh. And, and when you do drop the ball, help me forgive myself because I know you've forgiven me. And give me the strength to do the right thing the next time. Any questions, comments? Anything? Crickets? No. All right, so let's, let's pray. This is for after. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll get ready for service. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you are a promise-making and keeping and covenant-making and keeping God. Lord, we just, we just ask that you make us stronger. We ask that you increase and that we decrease so that we can help try to break this sin cycle, Lord. Let us, let us slow it down. I, I know we're going to fight with it and wrestle with it our whole lives, but God, let us become more than conquerors through you. Lord, we do love and appreciate you. God, make us more like Jesus. That, that's a tall order. And I know to make a statement like that, we're, 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 we're saying we need changes. God, make what changes that you need because we are yours. We are your body. This is your church. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.